You're listening to The Special from The Retail Exchange, your industry podcast. Sponsored by eStore Media. Hello and welcome to The Special here on The Retail Exchange podcast. I'm Martin Popplewell. In the next hour, we'll be reflecting on key developments in the world of e-commerce. We'll assess the changes in shopper behaviour, how e-commerce playbooks have had to be reinvented and the challenges that retailers and brands face to maximise sales during 2020's crucial golden quarter at a time when a growing number of consumers are buying what we need with a click. Coming up on this episode of The Special, I'll be talking to Dean McElwee, Integrated Commercial Lead for Europe at Kellogg's. Digital has been extremely important. If if we look at the way we are connecting with our retailers and cooperating with our retailers, the use of digital technology and digital means has become a huge way we can connect with our retailers. I'll also be joined by Lukasz Trabelski, who's Business Development Director at eStore Media. Everybody's aware of the whole shift to e-commerce at an unprecedented scale. So from the Easter media perspective, we've often had to explain and have a long discussion on is e-commerce important for my business? At least that's part of history. So everybody's now in the mode of not if, but how. And I think the starting point in terms of the brands that we're working with is they're all recognizing the importance of making sure they have relentless focus on the fundamentals. And our correspondent, Liz Morrell, looks at how toy retailer The Entertainer has adapted its online approach when she speaks to the company's head of online, Rob Wood. And reviews, I think, are worth 7% um, on conversion for us. So we know exactly how, how, you know, how valuable ratings and reviews are. And obviously, yeah, 7% is, is millions of pounds a year. Um, I think that they are incredibly important to the uh, to the e-commerce journey. We know that they get huge amounts of engagement. They're almost kind of a, you know, it's, it's a given now that you have reviews on an e-commerce website. It would be a strange thing if, if we didn't have them. So lots to look forward to on this episode of The Special right here on the Retail Exchange podcast. This special episode of the Retail Exchange podcast looks at the impact of the global pandemic on e-commerce playbooks and what it'll take for retailers and brands to win Christmas online in what has been an extraordinarily turbulent year. My first guest today is Dean McElwee, integrated commercial lead for Europe at one of the world's most iconic FMCG brands, Kellogg's. Dean McElwee, thank you very much indeed for joining us. This is not a digital question specifically, but working from a home has presumably had a massive impact on the the Kellogg's business and and the customer behaviour because they're not necessarily grabbing a a bit of breakfast on the go as they're on the train, on the tube or whatever. Um, They are certainly more likely to be having that breakfast at home. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, definitely. I think what we've seen from a work from home perspective is we've really had a great entry into consumers' lives that we haven't had previously. We've seen huge household penetration on our cereals brands, which has been really good for us to reintroduce cereal into consumers' lifestyles. And the other thing that we have seen is also through our Pringles brand is an increased need for snacking and snacking on the go. So overall, it's been very beneficial for our portfolio. FMCG grocery is not typically the first category 
I think many people would associate with leading digital. What is Kellogg's doing to invest in the channel? It's typically not one you would associate with with uh, digital. So what are we doing? We're increasing investments in a number of areas in the business. Firstly, directly with our customer partners. This is the retailers such as Tesco, Amazon, Ocado. We're also increasing investments in the wholesale side of the business. This is businesses such as Bestway, Booker. What we're also doing is we're building our direct-to-consumer capabilities, and we've got a couple of exciting propositions that we're launching in the next six months in that area. The last thing we're doing is we're investing in building capabilities in two specific areas. The one is bringing in specific e-commerce and digital talent to the business, as well as building the broader organizational capabilities in e-commerce. So when it comes to winning in e-commerce and digital, it's often viewed very much as a long-term game. How has your e-commerce playbook evolved in recent months? Very interesting question. So what our playbook is really focused on is how to recruit and retain shoppers as they move online. So the one thing that we have noticed, especially through this pandemic, is that you've seen a lot of new users to online shopping. This has typically been older shoppers who perhaps are late adopters of the technology. And we want to make sure we recruit them and retain them. So what we've spent a lot of time doing is making sure that we present where our shoppers are rather than where we want them to be, and making sure that our content is simple and clearly communicated to our shoppers. And so how do you go about that? So what we've done is we've migrated quite a lot of our investments out of in-store to online and digital investments. And what we've also increased over the last six months is our use of CRM programs. So things like the good old email, how can we communicate to our shoppers through email? So we've activated a database in the UK that we probably haven't used as much previously. Um, of close to a million email addresses that we can communicate to and communicate directly to those shoppers about our proposition. Just thinking about the last few months as a result of the coronavirus, have there been specific initiatives or a thinking or a focus that has been accelerated because of all of that? There have been a couple of them. There's been an increased shift in FMCG brands to shift marketing spend to digital channels, and that's been very abruptly um, accelerated, and the investments there have been hugely increased. What we've also seen a lot of is brands trying to engage with consumers and shoppers directly by building their direct-to-consumer sites or their own direct-to-consumer sites. The other noticeable one we've, we've seen is that our retailers have undergone massive transformation with online now a significant part of their business. If you look at somebody like a Tesco, Tesco's website is seeing close to 37 million visits a month. And this is extraordinary. And it really means our retailers need to continue to leverage um, this capability, particularly from a media point of view, to compete against the likes of Amazon. What trends would you say that you're seeing across FMCG in a wider respect that are that are really having a, a reshaping, a profound reshaping of the digital transformation? Um, I think the broader trends that we're seeing across FMCG is a real focus on 
getting to know your consumers and shoppers and connecting with them in a real way. And I think that's the great thing about this pandemic is that it has accelerated the need for all of us to connect both brands, retailers and individuals. The, the additional thing that we have seen is an increased emphasis on marketing technology, certainly from a manufacturer point of view. Um, the, a lot of manufacturers are increasing their investment in marketing technology, enabling them to communicate more often, more frequently, and get to understand their shoppers a lot more. And I think what we're also seeing is a huge acceleration in the number of businesses going online. Um, the UK announced recently, in an, uh, there was an article I saw, that close to 16,000 businesses came online between April and July, which is a massive shift. How important has digital been to drive business-to-business engagement and sales orders in 2020, given what everyone has been going through? Certainly for us, digital has been extremely important. If, if we look at the way we are connecting with our retailers and cooperating with our retailers, digit, the use of digital technology and digital means has become a huge way we can connect with our retailers. We recently in the UK hosted a number of conferences directly with our retailers across a number of various areas. And and that's been the first time we've done that. And it was really, really successful. It gave the retailers a view of our business and what we're planning for the next year and allowed the businesses to connect at multiple levels. If we look at digital from our customers' point of view, some like companies such as Best Way and Booker, which are B2B businesses themselves, they serve small convenience stores, independent convenience stores. Um, Digital for them has been extremely important. It's allowed them to continue trading when people haven't been able to go into the big warehouses that that they run. And their capabilities there have resulted in a significant change and shift in the way they do business. And can you just give us a bit of an insight in terms of how shopper marketing teams responsible for in-store engagement and e-commerce teams have been working together with Incologs to to share the sort of the learnings, the insight and and deliver uh, perhaps more integrated solutions? What we try to do is harmonise and align on the insights about our shoppers. As many shoppers, as, as you will know, and certainly I experience myself, um, I shop both in-store and online. And aligning on the insights about our shoppers allows us to target our communication a lot better and make sure that it's aligned between what we're doing in-store and online. What we then also do is we align on the execution or activation of those activities to make sure that wherever that consumer or shopper is, the experience is different but aligned and consistent wherever they may be. So our e-commerce teams may be the subject matter experts about how shoppers shop when they go on the digital path to purchase. Um, But it's really just about making sure that we're aligned, we're consistent, and we're all agreeing on the right focus for us as a brand. And how much of that has been due to the new ways that we're all working? I think the... Really, the emphasis or the importance of it has been accentuated with the new way of working. We we were perhaps doing some of it before. Were we as aligned as we needed to be? Probably not. But it, the, the, the certainly the new way of working has 
helped make sure that we are always aligned and always focused on what the outcome is, which is getting more people to eat our products. And when it comes to justifying the budget and the resources needed to keep up with competitors and the nimble digital native brands, what are the challenges that you increasingly believe e-commerce teams will come up against moving forward? And and will approaches to, to building the business case for e-commerce need to change, do you think? I think they definitely will, Martin. I think there's there's a couple of different areas where they're changing. So the first one is is there's a huge change management job that e-commerce teams typically need to do in their organizations. Often organizations are set up to look at an investment in terms of customers. So should I be investing in Tesco or in terms of media types? So should I be flighting an advert or a radio spot? Um, The reality is we need to invest in our consumers and shoppers wherever they are rather than where where we want them to be. And that's that's a key difference for us is making sure that we're investing in consumers and shoppers rather than customers and media types. The other challenge is that there are increasingly a number of media opportunities that are coming to the fore. So digital has become a lot more important through, through the challenges we've had this year but also retailer media. So our retailers are increasingly very strong media players. Um, Tesco has 37 million visits to its site. So it's a great platform to communicate your brand. There, There are lots of different options. So really building the business case is changing to be about how do we make sure we invest behind consumers and behind shoppers for outcomes and then join up all these these dots of both the offline world and the online world to make sure we target those shoppers and consumers um, efficiently. Do you think there are lessons that the UK team can take and learn from other markets? I'm thinking particularly of the US. And if so, what are the differences? I think in terms of the the differences, the US market from from our experience is focused a lot on different modes of delivery, so different ways of fulfilling your groceries. So there's a wider variety and a lot more focus on things like click and collect um, in the US. There's curbside pickup. There's a, there's a fascinating one I, I've seen where you use your app and you put it you put it, your GPS on your phone, and as you get to the retailer to pick up your groceries, it alerts the retailer that you're there and somebody walks out with your groceries. So it's a a great experience for the shopper to integrate that offline and that online world. Um, And and that's where probably the e-commerce teams in in the UK should look to that type of, of experience. It's really joining up that experience to make sure wherever you are, online or offline, it's a great, great experience for the business. I think one of the other quite interesting things we've seen coming out of, of China and to a certain extent France this year is the use of influencers and the use of live streaming on retail platforms to engage shoppers and engage consumers in your with your brands. And, and that's really, it's really a great initiative because what it does is it creates a bit of excitement on the platforms. There's either concerts um, from well-known celebrities or celebrity chefs showing you how to use the product in an online environment, which is really, really good. And it keeps the attention of the shoppers for a much longer time period. What would you say are 
some of the e-commerce initiatives outside your own category that have really caught your eye during the pandemic? I think there are probably two that have stood out the most for me. The first is the rollout of Heinz to Home initiative. So Heinz set up this initiative at the, at the, at the real start of the pandemic in March and April, and it, and it caught my eye because it's, it's like ourselves, a category of products that you typically wouldn't associate with selling directly to a consumer. Typically, your baked beans and your tomato sauce and your ketchup would be something that you'd go and you'd pick up at the local supermarket. So that really caught my eye as a, as a great test and learn initiative that Heinz is involved in, and it's subsequently rolled out very quickly to a number of other markets. They've launched in both Australia, New Zealand, and Ireland in, in the last two, three months. So that, that one has been impressive in terms of the evolution and the activation on it. The second one is probably a more broader initiative that I, I've seen with retailers. And I've really been impressed by how our retail partners have scaled their e-commerce operations. You've gone from a number of slots, certainly at the start of March and April, where you couldn't get a slot for close to three weeks. And they've very quickly scaled up their platforms and their staffing to be able to provide a service to consumers. And in doing so, they've, in, they've employed tens of thousands of people. They've put a lot more trucks on the road and put a lot more pickers in store to be able to to pick that. And I think there's also been a fantastic amount of innovation in that as we've we've seen the progression. So you've seen senior hours come on on online shopping and you've also seen various meal kits being launched by a number of retailers. So it's it's quite fascinating to see how quickly everybody has evolved. And kind of looks isn't a brand you'd immediately associate with Christmas. Though you've, of course, run campaigns, TV campaigns in the past, as well as promotions such as the Elf on the Shelf giveaways and on-box promotions are something that you're well known for as a brand. What can we expect from Kellogg's for Christmas 2020? Certainly from an e-commerce perspective, we've planned some great new activations of our Pringles Chris brand online. Um, Pr Pringles is a, is a fantastic brand for us and it's really something that does very well for us at Christmas. So we focused a lot on how do we activate Pringles online, specifically in the UK this year. And that is really getting shoppers and consumers to use Pringles as part of an occasion. Um, which is Christmas, where we all hope to be celebrating with our families. In terms of Elf on the Shelf, we've decided to give Elf on the Shelf a, a bit of a rest this year. Um, we hope to see the Elf on the Shelf back next year. So unfortunately, there's not going to be anything specifically on our cereal brands this year. Why is the Elf getting a rest? Um, we, we think we just need some new news. So we've focused a lot on getting our Special K brand turned around this year. So we're focusing a lot on Special K as a brand. And we're focusing a lot on our WK Kellogg's brand. So we've decided to focus on them for this year till the end of the year. And I'm sure Elf on the Shelf will definitely be back next year. I'm sure we'll be relieved to hear that. Uh, where do you believe Christmas will be won or lost for the FMCG brands when it comes to e-commerce? Martin, doing the basics and doing them really, really well. And for us, what that means is making sure shoppers can find your product when they search for it. Um, often when we go into websites and, and we search for products and we can't find them, um, either they, they're just not categorized properly or they're not clearly called out, 
that's really where brands will lose it. I think the the other thing is is about availability. When we talk about availability and making sure that in the, in the middle of the middle of what we're going through right now, making sure that stock is with retailers and in stores is a huge focus for us. What a lot of people um, are finding with e-commerce and, and this particular time period is when the pickers go in to pick your order in store is usually a completely different time to when you go in as a shopper. So what our retailers are finding is they've got to make sure this, the shelves are packed and full from five o'clock in the morning because that's when the pickers start picking your order for your delivery. And that's really a different time to when they would normally need to be full, which is later in the day when everybody comes through. So what we're focusing with our retailers is, is really those two things, making shoppers can find our products when they search for them. And then secondly, making sure that it's available. And, and the one truism I always come back to is that with e-commerce, what works for brands offline doesn't work for them online. And therefore, you've got to focus your efforts in both of those areas to be able to win and succeed in them. Dean McElwee, it's been fascinating listening to you. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you. In a moment, we'll discuss the most pressing issues for retailers and brands to focus on online with eStore Media's Lukasz Tabelski. First, let's hear from the entertainer's head of online, Rob Wood, who explained to the retail exchange correspondent, Liz Morell, about some of the challenges that his company has had to respond to in order to meet the surge in online demand during the early days of lockdown as the toy retailer prepares to do it all again in the run-up to Christmas. What changes have you seen and what surprised you most about what you saw? At the start of lockdown, we saw a huge uh, increase in, in demand online, uh, as you'd expect with the, with all the retail um, closed. Uh, and uh, certainly there were times in April where we were, we were six or seven times up on last year. Um, so we were doing a, you know, a week sales every day, essentially. Um, and, you know, we are a... Uh, a very seasonal business so clearly toys it's all about christmas uh, and it's all about trends as well so we have a, a fulfillment operation that is geared up to uh, to respond to these kind of huge spikes in in sales uh, but i think probably the you know the key thing during during lockdown that um, was kind of added to the playbook i guess was um focusing on how we could actually get get orders out the door um even though we are geared up for, the, for these big spikes in demand, uh, with social distancing, with having to keep everybody in our fulfillment centre safe, we just weren't able to um, to ship our orders at the rate that they were, they were coming in. Um, so we ended up actually turning our, our DC into sort of a pop-up uh, fulfillment warehouse, which was run um, largely on, on spreadsheets and um, uh, yeah, almost a, sort of a, a very basic uh, uh, attempt to kind of just get some some orders out the door via this warehouse, um, but it was yeah it was a hugely important part of, of what we were able to do in, in April and May and, and actually you know maximising maximising our sales. Um, so yeah, certainly during pandemic that you know the focus was was on how do we serve the customer and uh, fulfil demand as best we can. We uh, spent a lot of time um, playing around with our delivery proposition. Um, yeah, it's obviously always a case of, of trying to under promise and over deliver. Um, and probably one of the interesting things, not necessarily surprising, but one of the, the interesting things about that was actually that uh, 
consumers, I think, were very understanding of the situation. Um, normally, if we if we start to miss our our delivery promise, uh, we get a, a lot of uh, uh, you know, negative feedback very quickly from customers. Um, just because expectation is, is, is so high these days. Um, but during the pandemic, we actually found that people were, were very understanding. So did you have to do sort of extra communication around that or, or was it just a general understanding that, you know, we, we know it's going to be late and or, or possibly late and, and we understand that and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just accept that? Yeah, so we tried to be as upfront with people as we possibly could about how long deliveries were taking. So I think at one stage we were saying um, deliveries were going to take uh, up to 12 days um, and our normal standard promise is, is three to five days. Um, but what was interesting was that it didn't lessen demand at all. And I guess if you're, if you're stuck at home with, with children to entertain, um, you know, you, <laughs> you, you get people obviously willing to, to wait um, uh, to make sure they, you know, they got what they were after. Um but actually, yeah, we we did send out a kind of an apology email to customers that we thought we'd we'd let down um, during lockdown because they, yeah, there were some orders that we identified had just been sat in our warehouse for too long. Um, but what was actually really interesting was the response we got to that email was was actually very you know very positive and very understanding. I think you know, people recognising the fact that it was a you know a difficult time for everybody. So by sending that email, you sort of engaged them more, really, didn't you, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's not something I've ever done before you know, um, while we've been at the entertainer. Um, but actually, the response that we we got to it was, you know, kind of restored your faith in their human nature, I guess, a little bit. Um, and obviously, another kind of element of engagement and uh, building confidence and so on is, is the idea of ratings and reviews, which you guys use on, on the site and so on. So how important um, are ratings and reviews to you um, for deepening engagement, building confidence and increasing sales? And reviews, I think, are worth 7% um, on conversion for us. Um, so we know exactly how, how, you know, how valuable ratings and reviews are. And obviously, yeah, 7% is, is millions of pounds a year. Um I think that they are incredibly important to the uh, to the e-commerce journey. Um, we know that they get huge amounts of engagement. Um, they're almost kind of a you know it's, it's a given now that you have reviews on an e-commerce website. It would be a strange thing if, if we didn't have them. Um, and it's that kind of almost like a hygiene factor now that it's you know, at an e-commerce site is a, is a safe and yeah and reliable place to shop from. The other thing that we've introduced this year, which kind of works similarly, is um, showing people sales figures and, and views um, on product pages. Um, so we're doing that through through fresh relevance. And again, it's that kind of social proof that other people are engaged with this and other people are buying it um, that we're, we're finding really useful. You've also announced back in the physical world partnerships, um, as do you're going to be doing concessions in some of their stores. There's also a relationship with Debenhams that you're moving forward with as well. So um, how will that impact your online activity through your site and, and their online presence as well? That went live about two weeks ago uh, and we're seeing some, yeah, some really encouraging um, results from, from that already. Uh, Asda is a bit further down the line, so there'll be some uh, some retail concessions going in um, at least the next year. Uh, and I think initially it's five, and then we will kind of review um, on performance, and yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll grow from there. So, how does that sort of impact what you're doing online? Um, yeah, I think there are a couple of sort of key advantages to it. I think you, the, you know, we just talked about you know, how challenging logistics is going to be this year. Um, and the, you know, the beauty, I think, or you know, part of the appeal for the, of the 
the third party relationship we have with with Debenhams at the moment is that uh, the uh, the actual fulfillment of orders to customers comes out of Debenhams warehouse rather than ours. And yeah, obviously Debenhams have got a slightly different sales profile to us. So uh, yeah, a spike in toys isn't going to be as, as major for Debenhams because it's a, a smaller part of what they're selling. So that yeah, absolutely helps us. Yeah, it takes a little bit of the strain off off our warehouse. Um, I guess one of the interesting things is going to be working out you know, how much we're actually cannibalising our online sales by uh, uh, listing up you know, listing our products with other retailers. Um, but I think at the moment, you know, with Amazon being so ubiquitous, it's, yeah, it actually gives another channel to get in front of of online customers. So I, I'm confident it's going to increase the overall number rather than uh, roll from one channel to to move sales to another. In terms of kind of brands outside of your category, what ones have, have caught your eye for online innovation during COVID? You know, they've really reacted to the circumstances of, of the pandemic. That's a good question. Certainly from a logistics point of view, it's, uh, it's you know, hard not to admire what the growth have achieved because absolutely understand the pressures that, that we've been on and how difficult it's been for us to suddenly you know, double or triple or quadruple our our output from logistics um and you know the grocers have done the same if not you know, if not more um so i think that's been you know, been really interesting to see how they've uh, they've managed that and um how quickly they've been able to you know, to adapt to the new world Rob Wood of Head of Online at The Entertainer talking to the retail exchanges Liz Morell. Let's delve a bit deeper into some of the ways retailers and brands can win online at this crucial time of year. I'm joined now by Lukasz Zabelski, Business Development Director at eStore Media, which provides platform solutions to help retailers and brands maximise e-commerce sales. So thanks for joining us, Lukash. From the bands that you are working with, how ready are they for a COVID-19 Christmas? And what extra steps have they been taking to get ready? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And I think uh, there's multiple facets to look at that. I think the first thing is everybody's aware of the whole shift to e-commerce at an unprecedented scale. So from the Easter media perspective, we've often had to explain and have a long discussion on, is e-commerce important for my business? At least that's part of history. So everybody's now in the mode of not if, but how. And I think the starting point in terms of the brands that we're working with is they're all recognizing the importance of making sure they have relentless focus on the fundamentals. And by fundamentals, we mean making sure they're having the distribution right, making sure they have the product cards right, I mean, everybody expects that with the OND, which is coming with Prime Week, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Singles Day in China, Christmas, it's just going to be a super exciting time, a time when you don't really have an opportunity to fix between one and the other. So you have to be all set up and ready to go. And I think uh, looking at the couple of parameters, in terms of fundamentals, everybody is aware for the last six months that distribution out of stocks, those are all of the gateways that you can easily lose your market share if you're not taking care of that. Distribution issues have driven a lot of of out-of-stocks. Out-of-stocks in store ultimately lead to losing the buy box. So that's the one thing that everybody is fully aware that it's just so important like never before. The second thing that um, a lot of these brands we work with and that what we're seeing is a lot of attention on really making sure your e-content is fully there. So historically, if you weren't really sure about a product, you could go into an offline world, get a bit of a more touch and feel. 
today, even people who are doing offline sales are actually going online to research those products. So everybody's putting much, much more attention in terms of, do I have the right primary image? Do I have right secondary images? Is my content convincing and all of these things? So they, they've really boosted that up and, and we're seeing. And the big question today is, how can you help me optimize for winning search? And I've had probably five or 10 talks around this topic in the last five days at least. And um, it's just saying that everybody's recognizing search as the new KPI in terms of what's going to make it or break it. So a lot of work has really gone in over the last uh, over the last six months. Organizations have stepped up their teams working on e-commerce, both in terms of number of people as well as the quality of these people. So uh, we're really looking forward to it. It's it's going to be hot. It's going to be exciting. And uh, and there's a lot of market shifts which are still going to happen because if you look at any challenger brand, the current situation is just the ideal situation if you want to pull out the market shares from a mainstream brand which always had had a strong position. Shoppers are forced to go into a different e-retailer or a different store environment. There is different shelves and micro shelves that you are competing on. So you can really attack and and find the weak spots of brands that have not really taken all the attention to all of these details. Still having said all of that, if there's one number I just want to share, if we're looking at the Brody content that we are tracking, primary, secondary, uh, e-content elements, the full implementation is on average only at the level of 58%. So there's still way to go and still way to improve. You mentioned compressed seasonal online activity in Q4. Um, what impact is that going to have on the strategy, the planning and the resources within e-commerce teams? Yeah, it's it's going, it's just, just the last prime week has been bigger than the previous Black Friday and Cyber Monday taken together. And I think what we're going to see this year is just going to be incredible in terms of that scale. So I think there's a couple of aspects to turn. One, there's going to be further increasing pressures on all of the basics of how do I make sure my product is available? How do I make sure I'm still winning on search day in and day out? I think teams are going to need better access to their own people, which is a challenge in today's COVID situation. But I think we're going to be seeing a lot more teams operating in a war room type of a scenario. Uh, where they really need to be able to react quite quickly. Um, just looking at some of the data we are providing to the brands, uh, we, for example, give alerts on e-coupons or deals that are available, lightning deals, deals of the days on Amazon, and organizations are reacting to that extremely quickly. So they want alerts within the next hour when, when their competitor is there. So I think we're going to be seeing more of that in terms of real-time data needs in terms of real-time reactions that are going to be needed. And I think the one interesting that thing that keeps me awake, actually, is how are these organizations, the big multinationals, the big multi-brand the companies, going to operate over weekend? I think that's the big question for, for this year, actually, because if you are a small startup type of a company and this Christmas or this whole OND period, the Q4, can make it or break it for your business, you will look for any opportunity which is out there. So I think that the interesting challenge is how are you going to play the Saturday, Sunday days when lots of shoppers are still shopping 
And if you lose the buy box on Friday afternoon, well, you're giving in a lot of gateway for others to enter that territory. What you seem to be saying is agility is the key thing. I suppose, in a sense, it's always important, but even more important than it ordinarily would be. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's the right word probably for it. But yeah, agility and the organizational agility in that sense, even more in the sense, how do you make the whole machine more agile? Because the COVID situation of locking down employees has caused that people are working fixed processes. You know, there's a lot of project management is going great, but creativity and fast reactions time is not something that the current situation is supporting. So I think that's that's going to be, to be critical at at this moment. I've read in some places that some have predicted that there will be a greater number of shoppers buying early for Christmas to ensure that products arrive on time. Would you agree with that assessment? I think it's an interesting question. Will people really change their behaviors uh, because of the risk of not getting your product on time or, or seeing the out of stocks? I personally, I, I don't have a much, a very strong data point behind supporting one way or the other. Um, I know that, or the one data point that I've seen is the e-commerce bit. So people buying on their mobile devices is expected to grow to, you know, 44% um, in the next couple of years. Now, what does that mean and how quickly that comes here is, is an interesting one. We've seen very interesting differentiation between different categories around Prime Week. So when we work with the big electro uh, comp- or appliance companies and then we work with the big FMCG, for Prime Week, for Black Friday, people come in to buy the big things, the ones that they can do a big saving on. Then they get their subscription for Prime, and what happens is week two, week three after these events is when start, they start buying the complementary category. So I think people will be still counting on great promotions coming with these days. So I'm not really sure they will advance their purchase because you don't want to miss out on the great promotion, which is still coming ahead of you. What kind of effect do you think what you've just described is going to have on e-commerce activities for, for lots of the brands? Yeah, I think, first of all, people, lots of people will get their Christmas gifts in January. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, that's that's one of those things that it's going to come in late. I think where brands need to be um, really putting in a lot of attention is on the whole bit of logistics and making sure that uh, this works, making sure that they are not winning the search game, making sure they're truly leveraging that whole in-store advertising space. And I expect Amazon advertising to be going through the roof this OND because people have recognized how close advertising on Amazon is to the actual shopping process, right? So when you go to sh- when you go to Facebook or any other social media, you're actually in a mindset of, let's find out what's happening at my friends. When you're on Amazon, you're in the shopping mindset. So I think the big thing that's going to happen is a much greater shift and acceleration towards Amazon advertising than anticipated and forecasted so far. So I think that's one thing that that brands need to make sure that they're staying competitive on this one. Um, The logistics that I have already mentioned, and I think um, the third thing that uh, that they will do is they will be sh- seeing a lot of volatility in their market shares in extremely short time spans. So historically, you might have loaded Christmas, you have loaded the warehouses, you have loaded the stores. It was all great because so much more was going through offline. People were even if people were buying online, they were going into places that you were more expecting. 
And now what's going to be happening is A, they go into different stores, B, they go into in a mindset where they're much more also willing to willing to change, willing to experiment. And I think the last one and the broad one here is, you know, people are feeling the the risk of all of the unemployment, financial crisis looming and uh, coming up. And I think that might also have an impact in terms of, do I really want to spend more money now or do I want to spend less money? So, but that's, that's something which is, I think, very difficult to, to estimate at this stage. Will customers find a shift to online Christmas shopping a little less joyous, more, more efficient maybe, but it will leave us with a feeling that there's a, a gap of what Christmas should be? Yeah, another another good one if you think of the changing changing lifestyles, right? I mean, Christmas is all about spending time with your family in a snow-capped place around you, uh, you know, with a lot of uh, family and friends types of events and Christmas shopping was sort of trying to leverage that whole effect taking it into stores starting right after uh, right after Thanksgiving and uh, I think the big one here is what's going to happen if, A, you don't feel that a real Christmas might happen the way you've had it in the past. And the second one is you're not going to be visiting shopping malls. I was reading that about 24% of the U.S. population is not expected to visit a shopping mall this year. So uh, probably the same numbers hold true for other markets. I'm quoting a lot of the U.S. data and a lot of the U.S. situation simply because there's more research around it. But I guess the same trends will apply elsewhere. So if people will not go into the physical stores, they'll not go walking out in the streets. And if even if they go walking out in the streets, a lot of the institutions are closed there. A lot of the stores are closed. They'll be investing less into the physical a display of the stores, people might actually get a feeling of Christmas is not that close ahead yet, right? So uh, going back to your previous question, it might be that this this trend actually even delays the shopping for Christmas because people are not sure, is it really Christmas time already? So where do you think Christmas will be won or lost online this year? Yeah, I think the, the one important one here is there will be a lot of micro shelf fighting. So we, we, we're looking at that whole concept of people are much more in a search-based mode at the moment, which is I identify something I'm looking for and then I go looking for it. And I think um, the important one becomes, A, are you winning that search? But two, are you actually inspiring consumers to search for you or search for your concept? And I think... Uh, the businesses that are going to win the search are going to be the ones that are going to disproportionately gain weight. I mean, Google says it's about 63% of all of the clicks happen on the first three results. Amazon says about 45% of all of the products bought uh, are coming from the top three search results. So looking at that, you know, it's really so important to be winning the category or what we call the micro shelves in terms of each of these searches. The other one is, how are you going to inspire the businesses or the consumer? How, how are the businesses going to be inspiring their consumers to actually look within their category, look for their points of difference? Um, so I was just talking to a beauty business in the last three days. They're disproportionately investing into sampling today because if you want to buy perfume, well, either you buy the perfume you've always been buying for the last 15 years 
or you buy something that you've had an opportunity to ha- have a touch and feel experience through sampling or through anything else, be it a magazine sample. So I think one thing is the search. The other one is actually uh, making sure you, you're you at that early stage. If, if we take the classical IDA model, you're making sure that you're uh, somewhere there in that whole pool of brands that are uh, within the consideration set. So, you know, that's from a pure process perspective. In terms of e-retailers, I think Amazon is continue, going to continue to drive its way. But there's going to be a couple of other stores which are going to pop up. One is those that have played in the grocery game. Uh, grocery is picking up very strongly. I've been seeing data of 40% of the 60 years plus population being willing to go grocery shopping. Now think of that, it's the group which is the least willing historically to go through the technical or technological transformation into online shopping. And now the openness is there because there's a whole health risk. So I think there's going to be a number of other e-retailers which are going to pop up. And those are the ones which make the transition to e-commerce easy. Um, And here we're talking about the ones such as Walmart, such as Target, such as anyone else that makes it extremely uh, easy to find the products. And that makes the logistics quite reassuring that you're going to get what you're actually expecting. Um, there's lots of e-retailers which just the moment you've been expecting your box to arrive, that's when you learn that half of your products have not arrived. That's not going to be sustainable anymore. And um, and I think from that perspective, it's really about truly fulfilling the expectations which are there and making the navigation easy. That's all we have time for on this episode. Coming up next on the Retail Exchange, we'll have two more episodes of the special to look forward to when we'll be talking grocery e-commerce with guests including Ocado Solutions CEO Luke Jensen. Plus, we'll be talking Christmas campaigns, retail footfall and trends with three very special guests. But that's it for this episode. My thanks to our guests, Dean McElwee, Rob Wood and Lukasz Sobelski, and to you for joining me. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange, your industry podcast. I'm Martin Popplewell. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange, sponsored by eStore Media, your industry podcast.